Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. It is no secret that diversity sparks innovation and fuels business growth. But diversity for the sake of image or social pressure is dangerous. It needs to be truly embedded into the fabric of the corporate values and how people interact. It is not just checking off a box to satisfy outsiders. This is most dangerous when someone is simply hired for their gender or race without consideration of what the individual is positioned to contribute to the organization. Values are misaligned, expectations miscommunicated, and voila. Let the nightmare begin. Costly mistakes that will result in wrongful terminations and a hostile work environment lawsuits. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the right hire. We do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Ms. Vanessa Klein. Vanessa Klein is an executive recruiter and partner for Caliber One. Since 2007, Vanessa has helped some of the world's most successful companies build out critical leadership teams that drive their success. As a partner of Caliber One, Vanessa has founded its purpose-driven practice, which focuses on placing executives in growing organizations seeking to create innovation with meaningful impact. Her empathy-forward personality along with her strategic thinking, has enabled her to successfully build diversity programs for her clients, which is what makes Vanessa the perfect expert for today's topic. Vanessa, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hi, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. Today, we're going to discuss why diversity may or may not be the right journey for your company, and then we're going to talk about how to correctly implement a diversity program. Sound like a plan? Sounds good to me. Why is diversity a thing, and why is it important to have a diversity strategy, and do you really need one? Yes, you definitely need a strategy. And I think we're all familiar with the stats around why diversity matters and why it's important. Fill me in. What are the stats? Why is it important? There have been a number of studies. McKenzie's done studies. Harvard Business has done studies. We've got Stanford. And everybody conclusively has agreed that executive teams that are highly gender diverse are found to be significantly more profitable. 21% more profitable than those with less diversity, in fact. And those stats go on and on, which I think most people are familiar with. But what they may not be also thinking about is what diversity means for the rest of your organization. And then if you have diversity at the top, you're setting the tone and being able to lead by examples for the employees that are more junior. So if you've got women, for instance, on your leadership team, that means women throughout your organization have a role model. There's some organizations, though, that are okay with being, I'm a $5 million company. I really don't want to grow. I just want to keep status quo. Is that a company that really needs diversity in their organization? Fundamentally, I would say if you look at those stats that we just talked about, then yes, if you do want to get past the 5 million, then yes, if you're happy being the lifestyle company that you are, and you want to stay that way forever, 
Then I think it's about the company culture and are your employees happy and the social pressure along with if you need more investment and are investors looking at your company going, we don't want to put our brand behind this company because there's a clear lack of diversity. So I would add there's quite a few reasons to be a more diverse company environment. So you just mentioned an interesting thing. Will companies lose business, you think, because they are not diversified enough? I think today, yeah. The social pressure, at least that's what I've seen from people where it's a topic of conversation. Are you doing business with a company that has a reputation for being diverse or are they really an old boys club? And then that's frowned upon. In fact, I just spoke with someone on the leadership team of a well-known e-commerce company who is really facing some challenges right now because consumers have been boycotting the business after they received some really bad press about not only a lack of diversity of gender, but of race. And that's an uphill battle that they're fighting right now. Yeah. And it seems once you get on the radar of somebody where you have that problem, then it's really hard to recover from that. Absolutely. I mean, how can you recover? It doesn't matter what you say or what PR campaigns you run. At that point, you have to put your money where your mouth is and start initiating a long-term HR strategy to diversify your workforce. But the time to do this isn't now. It's when you started. It's And so companies that are dealing with this issue are primarily dealing with the issue of legacy. They all hired their friends. And then you've got a whole bunch of people that are like-minded that are in the organization that have gotten them that far. And now they're caught with their pants down trying to figure out how to move away from that. And battling the question of to what you pointed to earlier is if you're like minded, you've built this culture, you all know how you work together and it's going really well. The idea of bringing somebody from outside that core friend group into the leadership team means there's this inherent risk that dynamic changes. And I think a lot of companies struggle with that, that they love the way the culture is on the leadership team. They like how they make decisions and bringing somebody that has a different perspective and is an outsider is a major risk. And so, and, and I don't think we talk enough about it. But that's a good thing. You need somebody who can challenge the status quo. And here's the thing. When people align with the core values of the company, they're not going to cause a problem from mm-hmm. any other perspective other than challenging the status quo and being able to help to eliminate the bias that we have and promote that diversity. Absolutely. And then that begs the question, well, how do you make sure that new candidates that you're bringing into the organization are aligned with the core values of the business? That is such a great point. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to pre-order Healing Career Wounds, which will be released on May 20th. Let it be your startup secret weapon to winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Vanessa Klein. She's an executive recruiter and partner at Caliber One. And we're discussing diversity. So we just talked a little bit about why it's important that you embrace this to add on to one thing that you just said. This notion of filling a seat for diversity's sake, it bothers me and I feel like it's dangerous because it sets you up for all kinds of problems, especially if you don't have buy-in from everybody else within the organization. Buy-in is probably one of the most important things. And that has to do with the example that I've spoken about is helped a company hire a CMO and specifically they wanted a woman to join the leadership team, which is all men. And it became very clear from the moment she started that she was not there to really make an impact 
she was there because she was a woman and they needed a C-level woman on the leadership team. And the result was she felt like she didn't have the support to drive her initiatives forward and wasn't ultimately going to be successful and she left. That speaks to if you're just recruiting to fill a slot with a woman in this case, and you haven't actually done any of the work. And when I mean work, I mean the self-reflection and the discussion amongst the leadership team about being aware of how their dynamic might change with the addition of this woman. And I think without, without those conversations and that level of awareness, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and they didn't empower her to thrive in any sort of way. It was like, yeah, we want to hire you. We don't want you to actually do anything. We just want (laughs) you to be on our webpage and we want our investors to meet you. And that's it. Hire an actress for that. And they could have. And I think that is, to your point, a real danger is that doesn't really benefit anyone. I don't know how many stories you've heard, but I've heard a lot of stories where what ends up happening is that the person leaves and it's a hostile work environment. And then it creates all kinds of legal issues for the company. Most of the companies I deal with are smaller companies. They embrace diversity much more than the larger companies. Yeah, I would agree. Anytime we talk about recruiting a diversity candidate, especially at the executive level, It's a smaller pool of candidates. That's how it has been for so many different reasons, which is an entirely different show around historically the opportunities that are available to different groups of people. And so you're already fishing in a small pond. Yeah. And I would add that to your point around the vanity hire, we'll call this hire, is that it does nothing but cause you as a company harm because then you get the backlash, then you get the reputation, the word on the street is that it's a hostile work environment. Well, isn't that what happened to Uber? Exactly. Yeah, the downfall of Uber. (laughs) That certainly isn't worth it. At that point, if you're not ready and you truly don't understand the value of bringing a diverse perspective and building a diverse workforce, then don't do it because it's going to backfire. And that's really the message. You have to be ready to embrace it. And it can't be my board said I had to hire a woman or an African-American person or whatever it is. That just doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So how do we solve this problem? So let's give our audience a breakdown of what steps they need to take to implement that into their company to build out the right strategy. There's two ways of looking at it. I want to start with the long-term approach, which is the bottom-up approach, where you are actively recruiting diverse candidates into the most junior level roles within your organization. And you have a development plan in place so that you are thoughtfully and in an organized, structured way, identifying your top performers and moving them up through the organization so that eventually you're able to promote from within and the people you're promoting from within is from a diverse candidate pool because you've built a bench of diverse candidates within your organization. And by the way, the long-term play is always the strongest play. It takes a lot more time and resources, but you don't have to go outside to find people. You're right. It is always the best way. And And we're expensive. (laughs) Well, I would would argue that it could be more expensive hiring an executive search firm to quickly find you the diversity candidate to plug into your company over the long term, you actually save money because you're able to promote within and therefore you're not paying these search fees. True. All right. So we take a bottom up approach. What type of development plan do we need to put in place? 
there are companies that I work with today and then the old school companies like GE who had done a really great job of building this internal mobility feature where if you were really good and they saw that you had potential, then they rotate you into other parts of the organization, round out your experience, give you the opportunity to step up into more senior roles. That kind of structure and plan needs to be put in place. And then you have to incentivize the managers and leaders in your organization to care about this. That means that their bonus needs to be tied to their ability to develop and promote their team. So however that looks is going to depend on size. But what I mean by that is if you're running a large team, your bonus should be tied to how many people you're able to promote throughout your team and into other parts of the organization. This also comes back to this is good leadership. You should always be asking your people if they're the right people in the right seat Mm -hmm. and having those conversations to make sure that they are going where they want to go. Because if they're not, they're going to find somewhere else. When Vanessa and Rick call them, they will pick up the phone call and they'll jump ship. So we've got the bottom-up approach. You put together a development plan. You're promoting them into leadership. And also, when you promote people into leadership, you need to be giving them a salary commensurate with what you would have paid an outside person to come in. Absolutely, which is a really good point. Is Let's not forget that conversation doesn't stay the same forever. It needs to be fluid and reflect the responsibility that the person has. I think it's also important to mention that I'm not talking about incentivizing leaders to promote diversity candidates. I'm talking about incentivizing leaders to develop, cultivate, and promote talent within their organization, assuming now that if we've done this right, that the talent from which they're choosing from is a highly diverse slate of employees, because the focus has been on recruiting at the junior level, a diverse group of people. Yeah. So then we go to, let's say you need a leader. Mm-hmm. You don't have right. somebody to promote within. What's the correct way in which I find a diversity hire for my company? God, that makes me cringe just saying that. Because I believe that you want to find the right person for the role no matter who they are. Mm-hmm. So how do you do it when you need to bring on somebody who's can shake well, something up? I think that we have to back up and understand why it's coming up. So back to our earlier point about, am I being told that I need to hire this person or do I really deeply believe in the value? Do I see and recognize a gap that is important to me as the CEO or the board to fill in this company? And if the motivation is coming from the right place, then that's step one, because I can't tell you how many clients I have where I can honestly say that they just want a vanity hire. So let's assume that we're talking about a company that really truly understands the value of adding diversity to their team. And then there's the understanding of let's evaluate the culture that we currently have and whom we're recruiting into this. And so if it's an all male leadership team, are there areas, is there ways that we currently interact? Is there a dynamic that may not be friendly to a woman? Are we doing our offsites at a golf club and a whiskey bar? And maybe that isn't something that broadly in general is going to be as appealing to a woman. Now that may not be the greatest example, but I think well, the point there may being, be a woman who would be who fine does? with it. Yeah. Who 
who would flourish in that? That could be the case. But if you don't ask yourself the question, then it speaks to you're not thinking about it in the right way. That should be something that comes up. It should be a thing for you and your team is, are we ready to bring on somebody that doesn't look and sound just like us? And what would that mean? And would they have other interests, other ways of relating? Is there certain things that could be offensive that we do? Well, usually if you have an all-male team, I'm sure there's some offensive things that are done in that office. So the first step is like just the awareness that that, that's a thing at all. If you don't even have that awareness, you're not coming from the right place and you're not setting yourself up for success. And then let's talk a minute about this idea of we want the best person for the job. And that's true. But how do we define the best person for the job? I would argue that some of the best candidates that I've ever worked with, I would put in the athlete column where it doesn't matter what industry, what function even, they're going to kill it. Yep. They're just top performers, great thinkers, fiercely intelligent and able to lead. And honestly, it doesn't matter. And they would not look like they can check off a bunch of boxes that you've set out. So I believe in my experience that there's this athlete profile. And so in recruiting diverse candidates, it challenges the company to think more broadly about the job description itself, meaning there are going to be athletes that are of every color and every gender. And that kind of profile could work well for your company, even if they don't check off those boxes. And then at the same time, thinking through the idea of privilege and where people have come from, the opportunities that they've had in their career, in their education. And if you look at your job description through that lens and you think, okay, I need this person has to have an Ivy League education and gone through this specific management consulting firm and done this and this and this, I would say you've got to scrap that totally and be more open. Yeah, you've got to totally scrap that. I've seen some of the strongest people that I've ever placed in my career, and you can probably attest to this, have been the people with the worst resumes. They have a terrible LinkedIn profile. You know what? Because they're not busy putting together a resume. They're busy working and getting things done right. for their current organization. First step is scrap the resume. Don't even look at the resume. Just do an evaluation of the person, not an assessment, so to speak, like you would do a written one, but have somebody talk to the person and gain an assessment of how good that person is and whether or not they are positioned well for your organization. Positioning before pitch is what it should be. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I have found the best insight that I've gotten on candidates has come from speaking to people that have worked with them and for them throughout their career. And there are, I can't even count how many candidates who on paper look amazing, who interview phenomenally well, but the feedback from people that have worked with them, for them, and sometimes who managed them is terrible. There you go back to the term vanity hire. Most of the times people are enamored with, oh, he went to this school or they worked at this company. And that's problematic because I've seen this a lot of times where somebody has worked for Google and people get really excited. Oh my God, we got somebody out of Google. But that person's completely wrong for a startup. They do really well on Google because That's the type of environment they thrive in. They thrive in an environment where they're like more of a maintainer, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who's a builder. So you try and put them into a role in a startup where they have to build something, they fail. They fail miserably. Yeah, they're used to moving the chess pieces around or playing the political game and understanding how 
who you need to talk to to get this done in what way, not necessarily actually doing it themselves. I found the same thing. The point being, when you're thinking about recruiting a diversity candidate onto your team, I would say less, to your point, less about the paper and more about what do people say about them? What's the word on the street? What do the people that reported into them? What has been the outside perception and the real world experience? And I think that matters so much more than what's written down. But and to get I think to that, that point, you have to get them engaged first, right? And that's always the challenge I find is that we don't get people engaged well enough. Absolutely. All right, Shu, we're getting pretty close on time. Vanessa, what would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? So I think the key takeaway is the long-term strategy. That's the first and most important one is that it's not about just recruiting a diverse executive onto your leadership team. It's about creating and implementing a long-term strategy so that you can cultivate a leadership team from within your organization. And then the second thing is around evaluating your hiring criteria. And are you looking at it through the lens of recruiting a diverse candidate? If you are adding someone to your executive suite, think about it and look through it through that lens. And then I'll add one more thing, being prepared for that recruiting process. So if you are launching a search for a C-level executive and you want that person to be diverse, then you will need to think through the steps and it may not be as quick and as familiar as it has been in the past. No, hire slow, fire fast. Right. <laughs> well said, Rick. I did not make that up. That's somebody far smarter than me has said that a long time ago. All right, Vanessa, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could find you and connect up with you? You can find me at caliber1.com. My email is there. You can also look me up at vanessaklein.com. V-E-N-E-S-A. K-L-E-I-N. There you go, guys. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share as we are listening and we welcome your feedback. After all, this show is for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me a quick line at ricketstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Alicia Dunmas. She is the founder and CEO of Bestseller in a Week. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live Show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard.